Today, we dive into a universal struggle that affects all of us, the comparison trap. In a world fueled by social media highlights and curated success stories, it's easy to find ourselves measuring our worth against others. This happens to me all of the time. I see someone else's life, the promotion, the new house, a fancy vacation, their business success, and I start frantically wondering why I don't have that yet. Setting aside dismissing my own successes, never once did I stop and think, is this something that I actually want? With the highlight reels and the constant moving of our own goalpost, it's easy to see how our definition of success would start to get muddy. We slip into allowing others to define it for us, and we fall back into the never-ending loop of the comparison trap. It's time to take back control. Use the comparison trap as inspiration, not envy, and define success on our own terms. To help us do this is my friend Haley Dawson, founder of The Blocks. Haley and I immediately connected over many shared interests, including unpacking the unique struggles of today's 20-somethings. On top of overcoming the comparison trap, we discuss why your goals aren't time-bound to your 20s, why quitting should be celebrated, and how to make decisions based on what matters to you. As we're closing up 2023, I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you. Creating content for this podcast is my favorite thing to do. I feel honored that you take the time to listen to the show, share learning lessons, and continue to provide feedback. In 2024, you'll see a slight shift in content. We're moving back to bi-weekly episodes to free up some time as we're working on a surprise project in the background. And we're also going to be having a heavy emphasis on money-specific content as I've been getting a lot of feedback as this is an area that you want to improve in, and I believe I can really support with that. So if that is content that you're excited about, be sure to hit the subscribe button. All right, let's get into the interview. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the researcher, the speaker, and the Spanish translator, Haley Dawson. You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? If you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. Well, hey, Yuli, I am so stoked for this conversation. There are a few conversations I've had on this podcast that I get to speak to somebody that is so involved and invested in some of the same kind of work that I am. And I mean, your work is dedicated to what's truly kind of what in, what's in line with what I have going on with this podcast, which is helping people navigate modern adulthood. And you've spent a fair amount of time both researching and speaking and talking with others and creating content and providing resources and leading communities all around this space. So I know you probably have a pretty decent handle or understanding on some of the unique struggles that young adults are facing today. Do you have a couple of things in mind that you feel like might be unique to this specific generation, not just something that all 20s 20-somethings have faced over the course of the last 100 years, but maybe some things that are more unique to what's kind of happening in 2023. Yeah, definitely. So the sort of general struggles 
I think, tend to be quite similar to previous generations, but the causes of those struggles and the solutions tend to be quite different. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is financial instability. And then we're also looking at previous generations and uh, most of the time trying to copy what they're doing on the same timeline, which isn't working for us either. And then there's this comparison and, and, and self-doubt that we experience that has been, I think, heightened by social media as well, right? If we kind of think about financial instability, there's in the UK anyway, we've got the rising inflation and a cost of living crisis at the moment, which is making life incredibly difficult for people of all ages, but especially young adults, especially people in their late teens, 20s and 30s. And, you know, not everybody wants to buy a property, but if there's one thing that shows the really stark contrast between adulthood 50 years ago and modern adulthood is the average adult's ability to actually buy property. I'll try not to say this too much, but I don't know how it is in the US. I recently read a stat about the UK specifically that said that house prices are now more than 65 times that of the average home in 1970. Meanwhile, average weekly wages are only 35 times higher. That piece of work, it's by a, a lady called Vicky Spratt, um, who I, I believe is like a housing correspondent in, in the UK. And she's got a brilliant book as well out called Tenants that explores that topic much deeper. But, you know, I, I think we're dealing with the financial instability really well as well as a collective of young adults in the sense that people are discussing salaries, pay rises and promotions more openly nowadays. Financial education is on the rise as well and more people are working out how to save money. And we're also learning about the power of investing, which I think decades ago was very hush-hush. Only the men knew about it as well. And I'm seeing these incredible sort of apps and, and tech, like fintech companies coming out that are really supporting females and, and non-binary people to get into investing as well. And I think collectively we're realizing how important things like that are for our future. So there is a lot of financial instability, which I think is, is a, a, a struggle for young adults today, but we're certainly not sat around doing nothing about it. <laughs> Very true. And I mean, I can probably confirm a few things there too. I don't know what, how much the average costs from 1970 to 2020 has been, but I am guessing it is definitely far outpaced the average wage here in the US. I, I would guess that the UK and the US are, are very similar in a lot of the fronts that we're probably going to talk about today. But it's not only just rising housing costs, but also going to school food cost, travel cost, all kinds of things. Like I, I looked at that chart and it's like the thing that's on the very bottom is wage growth. And then there's like, I don't know, 10 major categories above that that have all 2x, 3x, 10x, 15x the same pace of what is wages. Like the education costs, especially here in the US, is just insanely outrageous. And then you get thrust into adulthood carrying a dollars to $200,000 in debt and then also you're supposed to be starting to build towards a family and buying a house and entering or trying to do all of this while working on pretty much a shoestring <laughs> budget. And, you know, also being told that the 20s is the best decade of your life and you need to live it up now and take all advantage of all the opportunities you have. And I totally get it why we feel overwhelmed to an extent. 
Definitely. Yeah. Success comes into it a lot. And I, I guess we'll, we'll chat about this later as well, but you'd be surprised at how many people buy a house because they think that that's what they have to do. Mm. Or they get a car on finance because that seems to be like it's the dumb thing. And well, all of my mates would do it. All of my friends have done it. So why wouldn't I? So working out, I think as well, what a meaningful life means to us as individuals can help us get really clear on what we should be spending our focus and our money on and what we shouldn't. And I know I've said should there, but I don't mean should because it's not the same for everyone, you know, but I think that we can get caught up in that quite a lot as well. Agreed. Let's talk about your third point there. So you were talking about financial instability and then benchmarking against previous generations, which somewhat go hand in hand. It's like very easy whenever your parents or grandparents are like, why haven't you bought a house yet? Or why are you not having kids? And like, you can see the average age whenever, you know, people have kids now versus 50, 75 years ago, it's pretty drastically different. And once again, I think a lot of that is probably impacted by financial instability. But this third one that you mentioned, comparison and self-doubt, I don't know. I haven't had enough conversation about this with older adults to realize. My hunch is that this is always something that A, everybody is struggling with, but B, is is pretty prevalent in your 20s whenever you're finding your identity and, and trying to decide who you're going to become. But I know this is exasperated by social media, which is fairly new to all of us, at least within the last 15 to 20 years. So talk to me a little bit about comparison and self-doubt, how you've seen this reflected in 20-somethings and why you feel like this is somewhat of a unique struggle to this generation now. Yeah, sure. I think you definitely mentioned it there because, you know, the the internet and and social media are, are incredible tools, don't get me wrong. But what we consume online, it impacts what we do in real life, how we act, the job we have, even the holidays we take, what we read, what we eat. And its influence is really shaping, I think, culture, politics, education, and and so much more than what really we can see on the surface. And I think it would be unfair to say that generations before us didn't face the issues that social media causes, such as comparison, self-doubt, and, you know, in some cases, like an increased risk of depression and anxiety as well. These challenges absolutely existed for previous generations, but our parents and our grandparents didn't hold the cause of it in the palm of their hands like we do. Mm. They didn't have it in their hands constantly, in their pockets. They weren't tapping it 300 times a day or whatever the average stat is on that, you know. So we're, we're exposed to these glossy holiday pictures and announcements of new jobs and houses and engagements and babies and all of these perfect selfies freak us into thinking that everyone has it all except us. And sometimes I think it can make us feel like everyone knows what they want and has life completely figured out. But I think deep, deep down, (laughs) the truth is, is that nobody knows what they're doing. We're all winging it and we're all pretending that we know. (laughs) But our like social media induced comparison and self-doubt is based on a falsehood. You know, we're, we're spending like, what is it, two and a half hours a day, I think, using social media. It is, it's, it's madness. And while I acknowledge the benefits of connection and community and keeping up with the news and social media can be amazing for free marketing for business and, and self-expression as well, but I also recognize how it's taken a hold of us um, and a hold of modern adulthood and it's sort of tainted our view 
of the world. It, it's, it's almost no secret that the more time we spend online, the more time we spend comparing ourselves to others, whether we notice that we're doing it or not. And mm -hmm. I think that comparison in that way, we're, we're caught up in comparison and self-doubt within social media. And I think that it's that comparison is like the main culprit that I see destroying young adults' relationship with themselves, which is the most important relationship that we're ever going to have, isn't it? Definitely. And I mean, we're just like answering so many big questions throughout our 20s. Once you're entering quarter life and kind of transitioning out of this identity of being a child and into this identity of being an adult and responsible for your future ahead, and nobody else is really responsible, you have to kind of answer those questions like, is this the right career for me? Am I creating positive impact? Like, what is my purpose? Is this relationship right for me? Like, how do I make friends? Am I even happy? Like, I know you've listed a lot of these questions out before and talk about these, but like, we have to answer these questions as 20-somethings while also, as you mentioned, holding this terrible, terrible comparison tool in our, our palms. And that's what's giving us the idea on this will make me happy or this is the kind of relationship that I want or this is how I want to create positive impact. I think sometimes it can be challenging because we're flooded with all of the options and, and we don't actually spend some time in silence with ourselves to really ask, is this what I want or is this how I want to answer this question? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like comparison always tricks us into thinking that we should be somewhere else and we should be doing something else, something bigger, something shinier, something to make us more worthy. But we're already enough. We're already worthy, right? And I think most of us have sort of gotten a job that we worked really hard to get and we're, we're super happy with it. But then we end up comparing ourselves to a friend or a coworker or a celebrity to work out whether we're doing well in life. <laughs> yes. Um, and just beneath it all, the person that you're comparing yourself to is likely comparing themselves to others as well. So then, you know, you think that what you want is based on what you want, but it's actually based on what somebody else wants. And what they want is actually based on what somebody else oh, wants, no. right? <laughs> I know it, it messes with my head when I think about that because it's just this ongoing comparison cycle, this trap, you know? If it's a, a friend or a work colleague or someone that you know that you're comparing yourself to, they might even be comparing themselves to you, wishing that they had your life. Definitely. That's a really good point. And something I fall victim to all the time is just moving the goalpost. Like I remember a little over a year ago, I wasn't running a business and I was looking at business owners, entrepreneurs all the time, like, oh my gosh, like I would love to have my own business. I'd like to have their life. I'd like to do what they're doing. And then you have a business and now kind of entering the second year in business, it's like, oh, I'm like looking at some people ahead of me and I'm like, oh, if only my business was that big, or if I was only at that part of my journey in entrepreneurship. So we're like constantly moving the goalposts on us. And it's very hard. Like it's a really hard thing to do to step back and actually decide like, what do I want from the next year of my life? And not actually allowing some things like comparison to play a significant factor in shaping that decision. Definitely. And I think that having everyone else's lives literally at our fingertips is just, you know, exposing us to that never ending highlight reel that leaves ourselves comparing 
every chance we get, you know, but I think we often forget if we're thinking about where we are in life, we often think that some people are born with advantages, right? For example, being white, uh, having good health, maybe even wealthy parents or like a natural talent for something that might pay highly one day. And when we compare ourselves, we end up thinking that we need to work harder and harder to catch up. But the reality is that that person you're comparing yourself to has come from a totally different set of circumstances, has unique experiences and perspectives, and is likely to be interested in different things as well. And I've experienced that with building the business as well, thinking, oh my goodness, I should be so much further ahead than I already am. And it's like, but I'm comparing my 18 months journey to somebody who's five years into to their business. Of course, it's going to be bigger than mine. And that's fine. I really soon came to realize that working myself into the ground and allowing myself to feel rubbish won't help me to catch up or be successful, whatever those words even mean, because I'd be doing it for the wrong reasons. It would just leave me feeling frustrated that I haven't achieved something that somebody else has. And, you know, if I see this incredible, gigantic business that's creating a load of impact and is doing incredible stuff, I think, amazing, applaud the founder, they're doing a brilliant job and the team. But is that absolutely gigantic business something that I want? It's not. I was literally just having this conversation yesterday with somebody too. I was taking a sales call from someone last week and they were mentioning like operationalizing the business and like, hey, you got to have like, you got to productize things and you got to like have a package deliver so you can eventually hand these things off and grow this business at scale, all of these things. And I was kind of like enamored by the conversation and getting really in- involved and invested in the conversation. And then I hung up and like something felt wrong. And I gave it some thought later that night too. And I was like, that person was making an assumption that I even want to grow the business to the size that they felt like I was seeking to grow it to. Like, maybe I'm happy with what the business is right now, how much income it's generating, the size and scope, who we're serving, what we're offering, all of these things. It just gave me a moment to like actually take a step back and reflect on that. And I was like, wow, I was very caught up in that conversation. And if I would have just taken a step back and asked, do I actually want what this person is offering or what this person is suggesting, that conversation probably would have went totally different. (laughs) I do want to get to a little bit of tactical on this. So we've been dancing around this topic for quite a while around comparison. And I really enjoy this. I think this is just like something that doesn't have a bulletproof solution. It's something that we're always bringing attention awareness to and always working on. And as soon as I feel good about the comparison trap, you know, I only find myself weeks later kind of re-involved in it in some kind of capacity. So once again, I, I think this is like an ongoing journey throughout all of adulthood. But you did make this like really cool carousel post around five powerful ideas for overcoming comparison. And that was on your your Instagram, which is underscore the blocks, if I have that right. We'll drop it in the show notes if people want to follow along. You mentioned a couple ideas. And I'm going to cherry pick a few here that I'd love to talk about as potential ways to once again, overcome comparison. And one is to find the inspiration. And then I put in quotes in the other person. I thought this was like a really great idea. Can you elaborate and explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So when we are comparing ourselves to others, it can be really easy to feel quite envious or jealous of that person as well. And I think that if you feel envious or jealous, 
we think that they're really, really bad feelings, but they can actually be like a bit of a sign for what we find inspiring or inspirational. So, you know, an ideal world would see us celebrating others, but instead we use others to measure our achievements and our success while letting this jealousy bring us down. And I think that if you feel like a twinge of jealousy towards someone, ask yourself whether you feel inspired by them. Mm. And if you do, act on that inspiration, because that's what I think is the important thing to to tap into there. And that's what you're sort of truly being drawn to. It's sort of this the shiny surface that covers all of that up though, I think. But yeah, turning like jealousy into inspiration is a really big one. Yeah, I think that's a really great piece of advice there. Hard to do sometimes, but if you can catch yourself in the moment, a really good reframe. And then the last one that actually this might have been the fourth one, but I think I reordered them on on my list here just because I loved this one so much. And I've heard you say it before, and that's life takes a lifetime to figure out. Let's unpack that a little bit. I, I feel like we got some things to talk about here. There's in such a simple line, a whole lot of juice to kind of squeeze out of this. So what what does that quote mean to you specifically? Yeah, you're not the first person to call it juicy. so yeah it means so much to me because once I realized it and once I said that to myself everything changed I was interviewing some young adults some 20 somethings and some early 30 somethings for a book project that I'm working on at the moment and figuring it out came up in every single interview, every single one. People were saying, I feel like I haven't figured it out yet. I need to figure my career out. Or another person would say, I need to figure my relationship and my love life out. And another person was saying, God, I need to figure my finances out. And as I was trying to unpick these things and and sort of work through my notes after these interviews to do some write-ups, the thought literally just pinged into my mind like a light bulb had just sort of came on. And it was that, yeah, life literally does take a lifetime to figure out. And I have spoken to many older adults as well in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, not saying that those decades are old, but just some older adults. (laughs) It's okay. You're speaking mostly to 20-something, so you're not offending anyone right now. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Don't let your parents listen. Um, And yeah, so I was speaking to them and that's when it really, really dawned on me that life does take a lifetime to figure out in the sense that there is always something to do. There is always something that you're dreaming of, that you're working towards, that you're striving for. There is always a problem that needs to be solved. We could be in the most incredible romantic relationship and have the absolute worst bank balance or we could have the best career and the best bank balance, but be completely miserable in a relationship or be single and feel like we, we need to find somebody, you know, you don't by the way, but (laughs) you, you, you could be in that situation. And when people say, I just need to figure my life out and it's like, okay, but just think about how long that is practically going to take you and, and logically as well because there are just so many cogs in the machine. There are so many moving parts and things are constantly moving and shifting and changing. And it is just constant. So life takes, I really, really do believe a lifetime to figure out and that I understand why people want to figure life out. 
because I would imagine that we're chasing those feelings of comfort and less stress and stability and freedom. But if you really look at what you're chasing as opposed to, oh my God, I've got to figure my life out. Uh, I'm 30 and I haven't done it yet. You know, I don't think that's anything to panic or worry about because yeah, it's going to take forever to do that anyway. Oh man, you're just like bringing me flashbacks to a really great conversation I had with my friend Paul Angoni, which was somewhere in the 90s. I want to say it was like episode 93 if you're looking for it. It's a great follow-up to this conversation. If you want to do a part tour back-to-back, I would check it out. I'll drop in the show notes if you're interested in finding that one. But he popped into my life right when I was starting to reflect on my 20s. So I had my 30th birthday this year in May, and he popped into my life around February. And I'd kind of been like pushing down the thought of entering a new decade. And then like, I started researching him. And he once again, just like kind of made me rip the bandaid off of this and start reflecting on both like, what did I learn in my 20s? What energy am I trying to carry into my 30s? And like, what do I want to embody in my 30s? And most of what I was coming to, at least some of the concrete thoughts that I had was just embracing some of the serendipity that life has for you. And I think this kind of goes back to this. Yes, of course, there is always something to figure out. You don't even have to have a bad bank balance. You don't have to have a bad relationship. You don't have to have a bad career, but you can feel restless or enthusiastic or curious to advance any of those areas of your life. And that's okay. I think a lot of the fun in life is making progress on some of these areas, reevaluating them, changing direction on some of them. So yeah, I've been trying to embrace a little bit more of this like never ending cog, as you mentioned, of just like chasing and trying to get the perfect career, the perfect relationship, the perfect everything. And more so just realizing I'm pretty much always going to be a work in progress. There are going to be external factors that influence that, that change things around on me, that make me have to pivot, that make me have to rethink something. And honestly, that's where most of the beauty in life is, is kind of that figuring out stage. If I had it all figured out, life, I feel like would be fairly boring. I think it would. And sort of thinking that you have to have things figured out as well, and especially at such a young age, like in your 20s, I think it can make you feel very rushed and panicked. And we don't realize how young we are in our 20s. We don't realize how young we are when we're 30, when you could think that we could literally have six or seven decades left and we've only done three. It's a really good point. We're so young. And I just think that many of us feel like we need to tick off specific things at such an incredibly young age. So like studying something to become qualified or buying a property or having a solid group of friends and my God, friendship is a whole other episode, I guess. But <laughs> Oh, it is. It is. We cover that frequently. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. And I felt some of these pressures too, and it can be really exhausting, but I've just come to realize that there is no rush. Imagine if you achieve everything you ever wanted by the age of, I don't know, 35. What do you do now? You could have 65 years plus left in this life. And how are you going to fill this time? You know, some people might argue that You could spend the rest of your life enjoying what you've built. And I agree to an extent. Um, You could totally do that if you wanted to. But are your interests, wants and needs going to be the same for the next six to seven decades? 
Or can you accept that going down different paths and living multiple lives and even like producing your best piece of work at the age of 55 is also completely acceptable? You know, our our dreams do not have deadlines and we've Mm. got our, our whole lives to achieve them. So you know, where is the pressure coming from? It's coming from society, of course, and it's coming from previous generations and that we're trying to build our the same lives on the same timelines with very different pressures. But yeah, where where is the pressure and, and what's the need to to feel that way, I guess? Man, I love that phrase, your, your dreams don't have deadlines. I think that encompasses a lot of the conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, don't attribute that to me though, because I've dreams don't have deadlines elsewhere. I cannot remember where I heard that. That's not come from my head, but I heard (laughs) it one day and or read it one day. And it's just something that I totally, totally believe in. Yes. Agreed. And another phrase of yours that maybe not of yours, maybe you took this one somewhere too, but honestly, every, all of our thoughts are borrowed thoughts at in some kind of capacity is defining success on your own terms. So we've talked Mm -hmm. a whole lot about comparison We've had some conversations about how to embrace some of the struggles and the figuring it out um, that you're going to be facing, especially in your 20s going into your 30s. And then I think kind of like the the last piece to this is now, okay, I've decided that I don't want to compare myself to others. I decided that I can do what I want to do on my own timeline. Now it's kind of defining what you want to do in your own terms. So I want to open up the conversation to that and maybe explore your story a little bit. I think you kind of have an interesting approach where you came in college and doing some work early on and then doing some exploration on like what lights you up and what you're passionate about, but maybe just from the context of work as well, like how we can start to think about and define what success in our, in our careers looks like on our own terms. What thoughts do you have there? Yeah. So I I think something really interesting is happening with success at the moment. I've kind of observed this resistance to the traditional idea of success, let's say. As I mentioned before, it's incredibly difficult to settle down by the age of 25 or 30 like others did. And and I sense that we're slowly realizing that success is individual and that we can do our thing and that we can carve our own paths. But we're still a little bit shy with it. But of course, saying that you can build a life on. So I'm sensing like the resistance to following the traditional path of success. Let's think about it as like a kind of college or uni, dream job, partner, marriage, kids, white picket fence kind of thing, right? Okay. Some people do still want that. And that's amazing. And that's a beautiful life. And, uh, you know, that's an incredibly valid definition of success if that's what you really want. But there is still some shyness, I think, to following our own path in the sense of it's a bit of a scary thing to do because it feels as though you're going against society. It feels as though you're going against the grain, you know? And I think there there are so many people who aren't sure what they want to do in life and how they want to live their life. And a lot of it does come down to work as well. You know, when I started to get curious about success, I actually looked it up in the dictionary and it said the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And it also said in another dictionary, the good or bad outcome of an undertaking, right? So 
being the best or the smartest or the richest or reaching the top of a career weren't mentioned. Nothing concrete was mentioned, not one specific outcome, quantity of money or lifestyle. And so reading those definitions of success, which I think were in the Oxford and Cambridge dictionaries, when I looked, it made me realize that as a society, we have constructed a false definition, false ideas around success. We think that it's getting this job and following the pay rises and promotions that come with it and getting to the top of the company by the time we retire. But again, our interests change as we grow as we get older, our interests grow, we evolve, we change. We don't want to do the same thing forever. Most of us don't anyway. Some people do want a job for life, which I, I've sort of seen to has fizzled out. And even the industry for life, I think is fizzling out as well, because so many people are, are realizing that it's about the problems that you want to solve. It's about the skills that you want to use. And it's about where you want to create impact and that you can take these solutions that you have and you can take the skills that you have in your character and everything that you, you have and bring. And you can apply that anywhere you like, whenever you like. Now, I know that I'm making that sound really easy. Changing jobs is difficult. You have to find the job. You have to know what you want to do or what you want to experiment with or test. You have to apply, interview negotiate the salary and all of the rest of it. But just knowing that that is a possibility, I think is a game changer. When I started out, I didn't realize that was a possibility. At the age of 16, I realized that I absolutely loved Spanish. I was awful at it, really, really, really shockingly bad. And I failed my A-levels, which in the UK, they're like the exams that you do when you're 17, 18 to get into university. So I failed my first year of those and then worked really, really hard and passed the second year. So I got into uni and did Spanish. And then it was like, oh, you're doing languages. So you are going to become either a teacher or a translator. Well, I tried teaching. I didn't really get on very well with it. So I became a <laughs> translator and an interpreter and a subtitler. It was like, right, this is the path you're on and this is how it's divided and you have these two options. But actually what has come from spending a decade translating and interpreting and subtitling amazing content for, for you know, popular streaming services and really cool films and programs, it's taught me so, so much. It's taught me how to be accurate and precise. It's taught me how to communicate it's taught me confidence. You know, I can win an argument in Spanish. The feeling of that is incredible. <laughs> um, when you win an argument in your foreign language or in your second or, or third language, and it just taught me so many things. That confidence is what I've applied to the other things that I've set out to do. It really sort of taught me you can do, you can do anything. You don't have to stick to like that one path, you know, and not long ago, one of my friends and I, we were having like a really casual conversation about what was going on in our lives. And I was telling her that I was really, really excited to be building the blocks in a way that I wanted to, and that I was doing some research and preparing to write a book. And my friend had a massive smile on her face. And, and she said to me that I'm so proud of you, but I wouldn't want your life. To which I replied, 
well, I'm very proud of you too. And I wouldn't want your life either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we both laughed and we carried on eating our dinner. um, And that was it, you know, and we're both very good friends on very different paths, wanting very different things for our lives. And I think it just goes to show that the key to your success is defining what it means to you as an individual and then working on your plan to achieve your goals. If you're working on somebody else's plan to achieve somebody else's goals, you'd achieve it, also whatever achieving means, (laughs) and then you'll feel flat. And that's like the most tragic form of success. It's reaching a goal that just was never yours to begin with, right? Being influenced in that way. And I think there's a lot of comparison wrapped up in that as well, like we were saying earlier. A few things. So I'm very open to at least getting inspiration and maybe even sometimes stealing other people's dreams whenever you don't necessarily know what your dream is. And I'll kind of lay it in context of your career. Maybe you aspire to follow a similar career path as a mentor or a parent or an older sibling or cousin or something like that. You really like what they've done with their career and you somewhat mock that. But of course, I think as you begin that career and start to enter that, you need to consistently be redefining what success around your career looks like for you and evaluating if you enjoy the path that you're on. And at many points in my career, I asked myself those questions and it was yes. And I was very excited what I was doing. And then there were other points in my career that that wasn't necessarily the case. And I think what I've learned how 22-year-old Justin is different than 30-year-old Justin now is that I try not to box myself in with options. And I know you were kind of getting to this. Like, you don't have to have this straight and narrow path. Even when I say the word career, many people think one linear option that's out there, but being multi-passionate is something that's becoming very, very popular for 20-somethings. I know lots of people and I have lots of friends that have four or five ways of generating income and defining their career. At one point, they might be a yoga instructor or tour guide or a contractor or freelancer or a corporate employee. And they're allowing all of those. Of course, we, we have this consideration with finances and we have to support ourselves and generate income. Yes, but there are multiple ways to do that. And there's not one tried and true way to do that either. Once again, you don't have to have one career path for 40 years. And I think we all kind of get that now. But you also don't have to have one singular career at one moment too. You can have multiple jobs at that time. You can explore different passions all at one time. And also you can just like decide out of the blue, this is not working for me and I want to try something different. And it doesn't matter if you're 25, 35, 55, or 75. You can make that decision at any point in your time and you can start on a new path. And for me personally, my career success is probably going to be defined by being very multi-passionate. I'm somebody that sees myself stepping into a major career path at least once a decade, probably letting something go. I'm just somebody that loves to build and to learn and to see new things. I'm not as passionate about getting very educated or very skilled at one particular field, but other people really enjoy that career path. They see themselves becoming such a expert in the craft that they do, and they want to pick their head up 40 or 50 years from now and and have 
five decades worth of experience and exposure and practice. So yeah, I don't know. I'm tossing a lot of that around just knowing that like, hey, you're allowed to kind of create and craft your career path however you'd like. Definitely. You said something really interesting there that you're like okay of letting something go. You're you're okay with that. And I think that is such an important point to talk about because we think quitting is a bad thing, but actually quitting should be celebrated a lot of the time, right? Mm -hmm. You quit that project because it wasn't working out for you. Well done. You quit that relationship because they weren't being kind to you. Awesome, right? Quitting, I think, is just as important as starting something. We really, really celebrate when somebody opens a business or gets a new job, but somebody quits a job and you say, ah, sorry to hear that, man. And it's like, yeah, but I wanted to. <laughs> Celebrate me for quitting my job, you know? I didn't want to do it anymore. And I think it's it's so important because it, especially when we are in our 20s and say we've invested like five, six, seven, even eight years into a career and we think this isn't serving me anymore. I think I could have more impact and be happier if I was doing X, Y, Z. It's scary to leave that, especially if you've sort of like done a degree in that area and you've invested all of that money into it and you've got like student loans and all sorts of things. You think, God, I've invested my time, my money and my energy into something to then leave it. And it's like, but think about all of the things that you have learned and that you have picked up along that journey and focus on what you can take into your, into your next one and onto your next path, right? It's not a terrible thing to let go or quit, I don't think. Yeah. And just even with you finishing that thought there, you, you instead of quit, which I think has a little bit of negative connotation to it, which is totally fair, let go. If you want to replace the word quit, just say let go or finish. Like You can be finished with a relationship or a career or a project. Like That is totally okay. And I totally get that there will be a period of mourning and kind of changing your identity to an extent like the sunk cost of my career path is one thing in terms of like i spent a lot of money for tuition and i spent a lot of time on that but there's also a lot of other factors like the social capital like me being this person like if i were to ever stop being a podcaster that would be a really hard change of identity for me because so many people in my life know me as a podcaster now and I have a business around podcasting and I've spent a whole lot of time over the last four years podcasting but there probably will be a point in my life where I do decide to let podcasting go or to slow podcasting down or to make it a smaller portion of my life because I want to make space for something else that I'm very curious and exploring and I know those are really hard decisions and it's not once again just the cost of the money that you spent, but the identity, the social capital that you have, the skill set. But I do really like how you're, you're kind of bringing up this concept that you learn something here that is transferable if you step into something else. It's not like you're always starting from zero and the last however many years of your career have been a complete waste of time. No, you learned lots of things that will help and support you in the next path that you decide to come across. Yeah, definitely. And I think that mindset is so important to help ourselves like fulfill our dreams and and keep pushing forward as well. Definitely. 
Haley, this has been fun. I knew this was going to be a really good conversation, somewhat cathartic for me too, to kind of just express some thoughts that I'm currently having. You play in the same space that I do. You support a lot of the same people that I'm looking to support all through something that you call The Blocks, which you created and founded, this great online community. You also host a lot of workshops. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have going on over at The Blocks? Yeah, sure. At the moment, we, we've we got a uh, free online community. It's on one platform at the moment, which isn't quite working. So I'm moving <laughs> it over to Substack in the next uh, week or so, which is nice. super exciting because I think that, yeah, it's a very exciting place to be at the moment and especially for, for businesses that have that media element as well. Um, so that will be fun. Also, yes, delivering a, a ton of workshops I, I just uh, delivered one a couple of weeks ago on success, actually, to a group of female entrepreneurs in the UK. And that was, it was so, so incredible to see people thinking about business success in such a different way as well. The third thing, I guess, um, that's going on at the moment at the blocks is a book. It doesn't have a title yet. So it is, uh, it's still quite mysterious. And I keep calling it the book. <laughs> Uh, but I've been interviewing uh, a load of young adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and uh, even some older adults as well to get their insight as well. And uh, some experts that work with young adults too, yourself included. I don't know yes. if I can say that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm just uh, tying up the the sort of last few things of the book, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. Um, and really, the book is like a, a collection of powerful ideas, I like to call them, uh, to help navigate modern adulthood. And it should be published towards the end of this year. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to the book. Thanks for letting me contribute in some kind of capacity to it. That was a great conversation that we'll probably be sharing out at some point in time, uh, especially around book launch. We'll, we'll let people know whenever that's out and available. Um, but Haley, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I got one final question for you um, before I let you hop here. If you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Great one. I would run a class on how to make up your own mind because I think it's so important and so underrated, right? I'd cover a little bit about what we've spoken about today, I guess. So how to turn jealousy and envy into inspiration, how to break the cycle of comparison we often get trapped in, how to make decisions, take care of yourself online, and finally, how to celebrate yourself and others as well, because we don't do that enough. And I think it can really help us tap into what we enjoy and what we don't and what's worth celebration for us and what's not. And I think that, yeah, all of those topics and more, they feed into making up our own minds about we want about what we want to do and, and ultimately building a life that is as meaningful to us as individuals as it can be. I couldn't agree. That would be a, an amazing class to take. I'd be very excited <laughs> if I showed up in the classroom and you were the teacher. So <laughs> I'll get to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the other, you know, 50 projects that you have going on at any point in time, finish that book first and then, and then we can chat about the classroom. Will do. <laughs> Once again, that is Haley Dawson, founder of The Blocks. You can check her out. Uh, she's on Instagram underscore The Blocks. We'll also have links to her website and some other various aspects of what Haley is creating. 
Haley, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. I'm so glad you popped into my life and, and we've got to have so many great conversations already. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. All right, folks. That's a fun one. That was, as I mentioned, cathartic. And I knew it was going to be, especially with Haley and us being in such a similar mindset to what we what gets us excited in our, you know, professional aspect and who we're trying to support. I'm still really thinking about that quote, you know, life takes a lifetime to figure out. I feel like that was like my biggest takeaway from researching Haley and having the conversation with Haley. And I'm trying to embody and embrace that, especially now in my 30s, just let the serendipity happen. Uh, life has got to throw you curveballs, all of the things. So I hope you guys took some great nuggets away in this conversation to find success on your own terms, turn comparison, turn that jealousy into inspiration. The quarter life crisis, we talked about all the things. So once again, go check out Haley. She is underscore the blocks on Instagram. Her website is also down in the show notes. And until next time, love y'all. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, we have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. Let's keep making it through our struggles together.